0: Well, good evening to our inaugural Wednesday gathering. I know we've had Wednesday night services before, but how many years do you think it's been since we had like a whole, just a general kind of prayer meeting and just regular Wednesday night service? You quit. Yeah. Yeah, when did you quit praying, Pastor? Six years. Yeah. Well, I, I I have been thinking about this time, but I've never really done it in this type of format before, and so I really want to grow together in making these these Wednesday gatherings really profitable. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna look at God's Word together and study it together, and grow, uh, I hope have what. It's called spiritual communion together as just growing together in God's word and and then praying together and, and which really fellowshipping together uh, you guys know already that I like your past your former pastor and you're still your pastor pastor emeritus um, like Charles Spurgeon and I'd encourage you to go especially if you if if this Wednesday gathering scratches kind of an itch or a burden that you have, because I believe that for some of you it does, in a particular way, that is, I long for us to be moved as a church to pray, and to, to to be on our knees, if if not literally, metaphorically, you know, and just cry out to God to do a work. Charles Spurgeon, he they they recorded his. They would record, or they didn't rec- They recorded by writing out many of his messages that he did for prayer meetings, and one of them, he d- he did a prayer meeting address, and I don't even have the date, of, you know, eighteen seventies or something like that. Called "Why We Have Not," why we ask not, we have not because we ask not is where he's taking that from, and and he he did an address. On why we have not, I encourage you to Google that, and, or if you want me to print it out, I'll give that to you as well. It's really good. And in, in that, he talks about the importance of the prayer meeting and how God did a mighty, mighty work at the Metropolitan Tabernacle, where over a number of decades, God brought thousands to Christ through his ministry. And through the preaching ministry, we have a lot of echo. It sounds spiritual, doesn't it? Hello. <laughs> I have a word for you. <laughs> okay. What? No, don't do the chipmunk. So, but but here's, I'm going to start with this. I just have kind of three segments tonight. What we're going to do is... is just kind of this opening, and I just want to hear, you know, kind of greet each other, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna lead lead us all in looking at the Word of God for a half hour, and then finishing the last half hour in prayer, taking prayer requests. Now you should have you should have one of these um, when you came in, and if not, it's just outside the door. You, you should have we I, there's three sheets to give out. There's the Wednesday gathering prayer request. There is Wednesday gathering notes. On one side is a fighter verse and some blanks. And then the back kind of has sermon notes or teaching notes that was somewhat of a review from last Sunday. And then another one is a song, Speak, O Lord. Molly's going to grace us by going to the piano in a couple minutes. And we're going we're to we're sing. Uh, I want you to hear the, the, these wor- familiar words. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and of the prayers. How do we devote ourselves to the fellowship? And to the apostles' teaching and to the prayers especially. The breaking of bread, which I think was posi- it was probably at least two things, the eating together and having that all things in common, but it was also included having the Lord's Supper. And it, it was having communion together. And so but my my burden especially is that we focus on the fellowship. Does anybody I preached a sermon on the fellowship, um, and when I preached on the fellowship, I said that there was different aspects of fellowship. I, it was one of the first thing sermons, and I said fellowship is something. Does anybody remember some of the elements about fellowship? And I, you probably don't, so isn't that real optimistic? <laughs> Does anybody... What is fellowship? Let's just... Whether you remember what I said or not, what is fellowship? See, I have one of these old-fashioned things, and I like them. Two fellows in a ship, that's Pastor Jack's answer. Oh, that's it. There we Okay. <laughs> so we're going to build a ship. So what? Two fellows. Oh, what's that? Okay, very close. It's a coming together. What happened? Okay, fellowship. I'm going to see if I can get used to this. I like writing. Can you see that? My wife is laughing at me, I can tell. She's the one free to laugh at me. Partnership. Okay, it's partnership. There's a partnership, coming together and having a partnership. What do we have partnership with at Faith Baptist Church? God? What? Believe, for what, oh, Usually when you have a partnership, if you have a, if Herm had a partnership with Pastor Jack um, to do a certain business, what would that partnership be in? What? Yeah, well, but, but it would be in a business, right? They would have a common goal. Ooh. What's that? Okay, a contract. Yeah, but so the whole idea, the, the partnership is we have a, a common goal, but actually what's really important is the word common. We hold something in common. If you have fellowship over your favorite sports team or your favorite author, What? believers, we, and we, we have that, and when they committed themselves to the fellowship, they were committing to something, and they, they were like, we're together in this, and we're going to roll up our sleeves, and, and what was the early church, what were they devoted to, when they devoted, they had a fellowship, and they had a partnership, what was that partnership in? What were they joining in? What was the endeavor? What was the mission that drove them? To spread the gospel, the the gospel was, the gospel was and is the church's mission. It was, it was the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are about it. It it makes us who we are, and we're gonna we're gonna take it to the world. And I pray that we one of the one of my goals, one of my goals. But I'm really wanting to see as God moves in the fellowship, because that's what the as God moves in the fellowship, that's who we are. We are the fellowship. The Spirit has united us together. I pray that God would move us during these Wednesday nights, as we hear God's Word, as we pray, and we talk about obeying that Word. We talk about obeying it together, and we talk about obeying it in our own homes and in our own lives and in our own things that we have to do. That God would show us certain things through this this time, this time of service that, that we gather, one of the things that we already know he wants us to do in partnership is to partner with each other in prayer. And and this, it, I I wholeheartedly believe that God will do things at Faith Baptist Church in your life and in my life and in the people that will come here on Sunday morning. He will do things because of our meeting on Wednesday night in fact uh, i I heard someone else say this about a prayer meeting in the church the The prayer meeting of a church is often the spiritual barometer of that church, as the prayer meeting goes, so will the health of the church and 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 that isn 't for us to look and go with with the type of judgment say oh there's who's not here no." But that's not so much the, where we should concern ourselves. Instead of saying, God, you've moved me to come here. You've moved me to be burdened to do this and to join in fellowship. And so, God, would you use us in these times to grow spiritually but also minister to each other in the church through prayer and intercession. We're going we're gonna to be doing that a little bit later. Um, in prayer. I'm going to pray and ask God to bless us. And I'd like us to take, and it's a bold thing because I don't have Jay here, um, but one of the things that God's people do is they sing. Whether they think they're singers or not, they become singers. In fact, singing is like, it's, it's like the, it's it's the overflow of gratitude in our hearts. It is it, it is two things. It's gratitude or it's crying out in prayer. Because the Psalms are a bunch of songs a lot of times they're prayers. So this this is actually a prayer that we're gonna sing and, and sing to God and and speak, oh Lord. We've sung it in the service and Molly's gonna play and we'll just it's it's a hymn like song which just makes it easier to sing without a whole band. So let me pray. God, please minister to us tonight. Help me. Help your dear people here that you have, you Jesus, have purchased with your blood. Would you fill us up tonight? And God, right now, would you minister through Pastor West and through the youth leaders? Would you minister to our teens? Would you minister and do a work in their lives? Would you fashion and shape them to love you with all their hearts? Would you cause them to disbelieve the lies that are being constantly sent their way through the world and the flesh and the devil? Would you be with the little ones, the kids, the kids' club, and would you be with those that are teaching them? Would you bless them and help them and protect them? And use this time, I pray that you would protect and put a shield around us, and would you cause us to concentrate and be, be built up in love because of tonight's meeting in Jesus' name. Amen. So take out your sheet. We'll just... Um, in fact, we'll stand because we're going to be sitting for the rest of the time. So let's let's just stand. Um, speak, O Lord, with three verses. Okay, does Pastor Jack, do you have the fighter verse memorized? Uh, or does, does Mike, do you have the fighter verse memorized? No. Does... Uh, Dwayne, do you got the fighter verse memorized yet? You do have a question? Good. What's the question? Yes. What? I think, you know, you, maybe you have the wrong set. Go to set. If you go out to the main menu, like there's different sets. Set one. Because mine, oh, mine said, okay, we, yes, we had two... I had one to recite. January tenth, um, January tenth was lap, you know obviously Sunday, and that was uh, know that the Lord your God is God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and makes keeps covenant and steadfast love. What and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Now this this week is to be said this coming Sunday, which. Says Israel, what now, Israel? What does the Lord require of you? And then it gives five things. Five things, which is to, that you may <laughs> get a look here. I'm still I, that you may fear, that you may walk, you may love, you may serve, and you may keep all the commandments and statutes which I am commanding you today for your. The point isn't that, man, you got it all right on Sunday. But here, here's a great opportunity to take this and start meditating on it. Take it to your family, include your your spouse or your kids if you have them. And I, I hope we'll see it as we talk about this subject tonight. Train yourself. it. Okay, train yourself for godliness. First Timothy, and you have this before you. First Timothy, chapter four. Verses 7 and 8. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather train yourself for godliness. For while training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Okay, this Sunday, if you were here, we talked about, I talked to you about, and I said, train yourself for godliness. And that's not a one-time sermon. That's, this is a, God gave this command to us through Paul to Timothy. And I want to talk about, really, what does it mean to train for godliness? What, but I want to start by saying, what is godliness? So, I want to I ask you that tonight. What is godliness? answer. Good. That's very good. Devotion to God that leads to a life that's glorifying to God or pleasing to God. Absolutely. Now, now the question now will be is, what does that really mean and how do we actually grow in that? Because he said, here's the passage. You, If you've been, if you're a Bible reader, if you're familiar with the New Testament, you've heard this before. Train, Paul told Timothy this, train yourself, train yourself for godliness. And, and, and if I said, you know, actually there's, the word godliness in the New Testament is not that frequent. There's about 15 times in the English translation of the New Testament, there's only 15 times in the entire Bible that the word godliness appears. And 11 of them appear in the pastoral epistles. Does anybody know what the pastoral epistles are? You will now. What the pastoral epistles... In, in studying the Bible, they, they have different categories. You're going to actually hear this Sunday a term called the prison epistles. The prison epistles, which I'm going to preach from in Colossians... Are all the epistles? What's an epistle? A letter. The prison epistles were all the letters that were in that were when Paul wrote from a prison. Colossians is one of them. Then there's a category that scholars call the pastoral epistles. The pastoral epistles are First and Second Timothy and Titus, and those are the those are written especially with a pastoralness in mind. It's where you find the qualifications for an elder and for deacons and church order and instructions towards mentoring and taking care of, and so we call them the pastoral epistles. So 11 of the words of godliness are in the pastoral epistles, either 1st or 2nd Timothy or Titus. Anybody know where the other four? It's one letter, one other letter, not by Paul. Where the word godliness is not Hebrews. What? Peter? What one? Not you're close. It's like First Peter, but it's not First Peter. <laughs> second Peter. <laughs> yeah, but very, yes. It was Paul's second, Peter's second letter. God has given, and, and he God has given us everything we need. For life and godliness, he says, that he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And godliness is more of a term that isn't listed a lot of times in the Bible, but it's it's sense is used throughout the scripture. You have in the Old Testament the word the godly in Hebrew, which is referred to often where the godly man, the godly life, the godly man is a certain way. And we want to talk about that because the Bible says we're to train ourselves for godliness. I found a very helpful resource that I would encourage any of you. It's, man, I just want to. I want to go hear more. I want to feed my soul on this. I want to be really intentional. And I have some time, or I'm going to make the time to read a really good book. Jerry Bridges has a really good book called "The Practice of Godliness." Have you read that? Have you have you have? It was so good, and that in fact. That's where I'm getting the definition that, that Scott just brought out. Godliness is a devotion to God that results in a life pleasing or glorifying to God. There's two aspects to that. Now, what is that what does it mean to have devotion to God? Okay. Yeah, that's I, I would say that's what you do, that's what people do with that are devoted to God. But what is the definition? In fact, we, one of the best things we can always do for ourselves and for others is, because we're all called to teach others and help others understand things, is to learn to, to think through, okay, well, how can I best succinctly define that? What is, what is devotion? Because we talk about this, you just brought up that, and we often call it devotions. I'm going to have my devotions this morning. What do we think of when we say I'm going to have my devotions? Okay, okay. Now you, you're just answer, You're starting to get into the definition, right? Putting everything before else. That's in fact that's a really good way of starting. Devotion. When I have devotion to something, I'm putting that something over everything else, right? And or, or, I'm putting that over or what's that? Absolutely. So that that one thing either removes other things or infiltrates everything. Every, everything about my life becomes set, touched by that. It's like when we're devoted to that, everything else is impacted. Either it's before everything else or impacts everything else. That's what devotion is. In fact, as you start to look through and... and and I like as Jerry Bridges brings this out, because if we're going to get to godliness, I could start to come to you and say, well, you need to start living godly, because that's godliness is about living. And and I could start saying, Yeah, and you need to start being you can l- look at the list here. Look at the list in your notes. You need to be humble and you need to be content and you need to be thankful and you need to be joyful and you need to be holy and you need to be self-controlled and you need to have peace and patience and gentleness kindness and we could do that and we could be like a person and uh, i think those that were in i think shepherding a child's hearts heard this analogy and we could become like people that take a beautiful oak tree that's in our in our yard if you had an oak tree in your yard or any type of tree out there and you went to the store and you bought the most red and delicious looking apples and you shine those apples, and you got those sparkling, more sparkling shiny than Pastor Jack shines his own shoes, and and you brought them out there, and you got a staple gun, and and you you secured and stapled those apples to that tree, and you say, "Honey, look at your beautiful tree." Now we would all go, "That's ridiculous, that's silly." It's short besides that, what is short-sighted, right? I mean, you all know that that tree won't look like that. Maybe in a couple days it will, but not in a couple weeks, right, Herm? Um, and it, it's it's short-sighted. Why? Why is that the case? It's not hooked into the tree. There's no life. There's no life source coming to that fruit, right? we we could actually try to start doing things trying to have certain actions of humility or thankfulness or in fact i like how bridges brings this out he says he's going to say there are two real important aspects of godliness there is the first is devotion which let's also call it just god centeredness as i was thinking, that was my second the first thing that i brought was the, the first first thing was the Word of God. The second is God and His glory. Being consumed with a, a, a God-centeredness. A person that has a God-centeredness is the, is the tree source of life, that devotion to God, to bringing out godly actions and character. I want to be a man with godly character, and I hope you want to be a godly woman or man of character, and it comes from the life source first of devotion to God that results. God-centeredness results in Christ God-likeness. God-centeredness into God-likeness. God, but but if we get the or if we just say I'm going to just try to act God-like without understanding that no, oh, I do it because something is a wellspring bringing out that in my life now I, I brought out three really important aspects or three three essential aspects to uh, to godliness or to devotion do you remember what they were and I guess if you look at your notes you got them so let let's write let's write them out what was the first one though okay fear of God. Now, I, I want to bring this up because this, as I've started to go through this study, it's been really helpful. And it actually brings alive. You're reading the Bible every day. Or you're choosing to start to read the Bible. Or you're listening to sermons, both in the car or listening to on Sunday. Okay, the fear of God was the first. And I want to talk about that in a minute. The fear of God... Is, is the beginning steps of devotion to God, where I'm God before everything else, God in everything else. And to do that, I need to have a healthy fear of God, a healthy appreciation, a on honoring and a reverence of who God is. I, I, I think there's three very helpful things about that. Look at the notes here. There is a fear of God comes... When we have correct concepts of the character of God. What does that mean? What does it mean to have a correct concept about the character of God? Okay, Knowing him rightly. And what about him? Understanding His Holiness. And now, you just brought up that's one of His chief attributes, characteristics. Knowing His Holiness and being amazed and awe. I mean, you come into His presence and we fall at His feet. We, when we, we grow to fear God, when we know how great He is, we just think He's like a little buddy. We don't fear God, but we, man, He is glorious and holy. What are, what else? What else does it mean to understand? have a correct concept of the char- character of God. Huh? Loving. Now, yes, and I'll, I'll say that, but I'm gonna hold off on that because that's actually related, though it is a characteristic, I'm gonna focus on that in the second part of the triangle. Because, okay, we could go a list and start to say God is God is holy and He is good and He is all sovereign. He does everything according to the will of His his power and might and his pleasure. It says, "It says nobody can hold withhold his hand. He does. He creates the universe. He upholds all things by the word of his power. It says he he has great wisdom. Who can understand him? Who could ever be his counselor? Start studying and reading the book of Job, and you see God's holiness and power in that way. And you just you uh, I mean, and you hear the stories in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. His power and might. I was just reading. Um. I'm reading in Samuel right now in my quiet time. And in First Samuel, we find that David um, is da- David hasn't become king yet. He was anointed, and he's having all these tussles with Saul, who's so jealous of him. And Saul wants to kill him. So Saul says, hey, I'll let you have my my daughter as your wife. As long as you go get me a hundred foreskins. No it, 1, no, it was a thousand. No, it was a hundred foreskins? A hundred, a hundred thousand. Okay. I, th- I mean, it's not, it's gross. I mean, but 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 it's but it, it's the Bible. God, God, he said, and it says there was an interpretation. there is there is there a note in there that Saul did this in order to kill David because he thought those Philistines he would get a hundred Philistines foreskins that he, they would kill him. Well, it says that God was with David, and he got two hundred. Now, as I was reading, I was just reading, the point wasn't to go, oh, gross, you know, this or, oh, man, this is, why, God, why would the Old Testament do that? Instead it was, God, you are the God that delivered your anointed. And not only could the enemy who was scheming against him get him, he was more than a conqueror because of God's might. That's God's character. He, no one can thwart him. Okay, as we grow to understand the, the character of God, we fear him. And we go, man, he is holy. The second thing that you see in this is we see a pervasive sense of the presence of God. Pervasive. What does that mean? What's that? Okay, your, your experience with him? Abs- absolutely. God, God always with you. What else? What does that mean? What, do you, what does that mean? There's nowhere we can go that he's not there. There's nothing, and in fact, there's nothing that anybody can do. We're always, we just always have this God awareness. Um, a man or woman that grows in the fear of God grows, they they can't not see things. Throughout the, it's like they put on glasses, God centered glasses, and now everything, God is in them. They're, they're just, you see it. Now, and then the third is a constant awareness of our obligation of God or to God. What does our fighter verse say is our obligation? There's at least five of them. What was the fighter verse says is our obligation? It's just in a summary. We are to love him. We are to serve him with all our heart and with all our soul. We are to keep the commandments and statutes which he has given to us. Now, we are to, we are to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. We are to glorify him in everything. And that means that every moment that I do, don't do that, I am not keeping the command of God. That, that, should, that should make us go, whoa. Oh, the obligation towards us is great he is always there and his character is astounding. That's the fear of God. Now, we never stop growing in the fear of the Lord. We should never do that. And that's the first pillar. Now, but we could feel crushed if that was the only point. What's the second one? Okay, the love. Love of God love of God is the second one and the love of God is, is, and what we mean by that is a profound, a gripped by the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ and moved and melted by the realization that God loves me. I want you to stop for a minute. Think about this reality. God loves you. I, I want you to stop and just think. Say it to yourself: God loves me. You know that He loves, in some theoretical sense or some official sense. God who's always there and has a high standard loves you and rescues you and he is in the process of making you the most happy being and you won't be that fully happy being until you are brought to heaven but he's in the process because as he makes you like himself and actually so that you can please him you will learn that the most pleasing thing a human soul could ever do is please his creator God's being pleased by us and our pleasure are not distinct. That's not how God designed us. Because of sin we feel it's distinct because we are prone to go towards our sinful nature but God is in the process of making our joy and our pleasure in God what pleases Him more than anything. Now this which really leads to as we understand this and we understand this, we grow in a desire for God. We grow in our desire where we find ourselves going, I don't just obey or believe God. I love God. I delight in God. I, I can truly say, I want Him. We could truly we could truly say the reason why I want to go to heaven is not because I want to be with my loved ones or that I could have comfort or freedom from health it's because I want God as John Piper once said if you could have heaven and everything that you have enjoyed in this world at fullest joy in heaven but Christ wouldn't be there or God wouldn't be there would you want it? and the soul that leans on Jesus and grows to love God, they would say no, because it wouldn't be heaven. Because I want him. He satisfies my heart more than anything. Those are all reflections pointing me to God. That's okay, that's a man or a woman that grows in the devotion to God, which then results, and we're going to talk about this next time. Which results Us to start to look and see how does this really play itself out in our lives how do I grow in humility and how do I grow to learn that humility is like the most freeing thing in the world some people go man don't pray for humility have you ever have you ever heard that don't pray you know oh no I was praying for humility and I fell on my face but you know that Pleasures for the human soul it, it is it is the place of God's blessing it is the place where God says I give grace to the humble it is the place and I want to read a quote next time of what C.S. Lewis said and he said oh if I had more of it it's like a drink of cold water to a man in the desert to actually be free of caring so much about myself And the only way that we can have true humility is when we go. I don't even look at myself. I just look at God. I don't. I don't have to. And therefore, when I get slighted, I. I just don't have a big ego anymore. It's. It's all about God. Or when I see things happening in my life and I have things taken away, but my eyes are always constantly looking at what I do have. It's because I believe in God. I trust God, and I look and I go. I fear Him. He, he's caring for me. And so he took that away from me. I can still be thankful. But that thankfulness comes from uh, my view of God, my growing devotion to God. And what I want in the next few weeks is talk about that, how a how devotion of God flows into godly character and how do we grow in that devotion to God are we doing the things that God would have us to do to take this word and grow so that so that a year from now, every one of us should have our goal that at the end of 2016, we can honestly sit wherever you are and as you watch the clock tick and the ball drop, you go, it's all God's grace. But I believe I love him a lot more than I did last year. And and by God's grace, I see a growing of Christian character. I see a softening. I see a gratefulness. I see a patience. And I see that it's a patience that's flowing out of a trust in God. And what's a trust in God? Devotion to God. A belief in God. A faith in God. I mean, we're going to have... And so, with those lenses, we go to Colossians on Sundays. And we go... I'm going to listen to Colossians. I'm going to listen to it. And through the lenses, I've, I want to grow my devotion to God, knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing His love, that I might desire Him, that I might live out the new life that's in Christ. So, um, we've got to move on or else we could be here for hours. Um, any, any questions about that before? That, that even I can write down as a question to answer next week. Any any thoughts, comments, or questions about this, about godliness? Let's use this study, though, as one of our prayer requests as we pray tonight. Let's pray that we'll be godly people. That we'll be devoted people. That the church would be a devoted church. Not not to the name of Faith Baptist Church, because that doesn't devoted to the name of Jesus Christ, that we be devoted to our God. Okay, so let's, I want, I want to transition to prayer. I want to transition to prayer. I asked, this is what I ask you to do tonight. And each week we're going to have these cards. And because sometimes with prayer meetings, you can have a prayer meeting where most of your time is taken up by taking prayer requests. And that's not always bad. And it's a way for each other to get to know what the needs are. So that sometimes some of the most praying can take place not in this room, but this is kinda like a prayer catalyst meeting. And you need to go out and practice it and pray. But I do want to pray tonight too. I'm not gonna I'm gonna do it in a way so that nobody doesn't no one's gonna have to feel pressured or embarrassed or difficult. Some people have different comfort levels of praying publicly, so we're not gonna I'll pray publicly or anything like that. But if you'll take this prayer prayer list prayer, prayer card and write down what you want people in our church to pray for. And write if it's confidential, like goes to just the pastors or past myself, Mark confidential, otherwise church prayer list. And what we're gonna Julie is gonna type up prayer requests on Sundays. And I'll announce it. It'll be back sitting over on that table so you can take and pray and through the week and then bring it on Wednesday and we'll add to it. And I want us to pray. And I want us to look and say, man, see what God's doing? We've been praying together for this. And look what God's doing. Now, one of the things I'm going to ask for the most part is, as we come to these prayer requests, there are a lot of prayer requests um, that could be had. What I would like most of the prayer requests shared in here publicly like, you can write anything down that's on your heart that you want people to pray for I appreciate that but um, because of time asking we, let's take prayer requests that relate to you specifically or somebody really close to you like maybe your kids or or for the church and I want, I want to I want to I want to especially at least early on in these meetings focus on praying for and and, and and asking God primarily to make this